0: Let me pray, and we're going to jump right in. Abba, Father, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for the way that you show kindness, and, uh, and you, th- there's a love that literally never fails. Uh, pray that you'd open up our hearts and minds to wisdom right now in what you're calling us to do. Please, Lord, I love you, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, wisdom. Hebrew word for wisdom is kokma, kokma. And I love Proverbs 133, whoever listens to me will live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. There is a kind of common sense, a kind of genius, a bit of a life hack in following the way of wisdom as opposed to uh, going in the way of a fool. So uh, last Sunday, just to review, we looked at 1816, a person's gift makes room for him and brings him before great people. Uh, Patch sent me two, two texts that I really appreciated. One is that the idea of letting go of control, reducing our need to be in control, can literally widen our path. And when that happens, we position ourselves to be givers. I, I think we increase influence. But then Patch went on to say, but the flip side also happens, is that when we have a wider path, we, we are uh, more open and healthy relationships, we're going to receive, we're going we're to benefit from that. So um, very grateful, Pat, for those two texts. Really encouraged me. All right, today, wisdom. This is from Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call an understanding raise her voice? Does not wisdom call an understanding voice? So let's jump into this and try to get a perspective on two ways. All right, here we go. This is, this is going to be about kind of the voice in our heads. So the book of Proverbs, if you stand back and, and see the bigger perspective, is about two ways, all right? The way of wisdom and the way of foolishness, two ways. And, and these, this idea of two ways is presented to everybody. And by the way, um, uh, if you're like me, I've done foolish things, and yet I've done wise things. And so we make decisions that kind of place us on these paths So Proverbs is about two ways and about two ways of living, really. And these two paths are presented in the book of Proverbs as a kind of personification of two different people. It's as though wisdom is personified as a person and it's as though foolishness and folly is personified as a person. And it's really interesting how it's presented. We'll we'll walk through that. When I say personification, I mean human-like qualities are attached to this thing, all right? It's as though wisdom uh, is, is like a person, and you can have a relationship with wisdom. Or folly is like a person, and you can have a relationship with this, this person. So it's really interesting how proverb lays it out. Two ways, two different people, and they're both talking. <coughs> two ways, two paths, Two different people, and they're both talking to us. They speak to everybody. So what about wisdom? Start with that one. So wisdom is personified as a co-laborer of God. It's really interesting. And this is in Proverbs 8. And it says, when God established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep. I was there. When he made firm the skies above, I was there. When the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set a boundary for the sea so that the water would not not violate his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman, and I was his delight daily, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men." That is wisdom talking as though wisdom is a person. As though wisdom is like a co-laborer, a master-skilled builder working right next to God in the creating of the heavens and the earth. Okay, Do you think that there's a little prophetic hint that that might be Jesus? Just thinking, just wondering, presenting that. So wisdom is presented as a human-like person. Who co created the heavens and the earth? Then, also, wisdom, and this is, by the way, the dominant theme in the book wisdom is a female. She's not a male, she's a female. And it's interesting uh, this female does not wisdom call and understanding raise her voice on top of the heights beside the way where the paths meet? She takes her stand beside the gates at the opening of the city at the entrance of the door she cries out to you people I call and my voice is to mankind so wisdom calls to everybody but she's commonly presented as a female as a righteous and uh, wise woman all right and she says you naive ones understand prudence and you fools Understand wisdom. Listen. For I will speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. All right? Two ways. Two paths. Two people. One is the way of wisdom. The other is the way of the fool. Wisdom is personified, given human-like qualities, as though... He is a co-creator, a skilled master workman who made the heavens and the earth, uh, created, created everything with God. But she's also, uh, wisdom is also described as a female, a wise woman, insightful, prudent, who speaks truth. Really interesting. Now, let's look at the negative side, the other path, the way of the fool. And this is what it says. Uh, it's personified as a male. Wouldn't you know it, Brian, the, the, the bad part's of the guy. Um, But this guy uniquely is deceiving. He's violent. It's interesting that violence is associated with the male. Violent, engaging in gang-like activity and full of greed. Proverbs 1, my son. Now this is a dad talking to his son. If sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us. Let's lie in wait for blood. This is called an ambush. Let's ambush the innocent without cause. Let's swallow them alive like hell. Sheol, a Hebrew idea for hell. Even whole, like those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us. And we will all have one money bag. That's the voice of the fool. It's anti-wisdom. It's the opposite of the voice of wisdom, typically a woman who is wise. The voice of wisdom presented as a righteous female and the voice of the fool as an evil, violent, and wicked male. By the way, uh, what you need to know about this culture, why this makes sense. Patch, I think you and I talked about this a few years back. Um... There were times when men, when society was in a state of famine and males became so poor and so desperate, they started functioning like gangs, okay? In fact, there were gangs outside of Jerusalem, between Jerusalem and Samaria, J- Jerusalem and Jericho and places, and people walking that path would be confronted by these gangs, Okay. And this is certainly in the New Testament times. They were known as brigands, which is a real fancy old word for gangs, all right? A, bandits. They were bandits. In fact, do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan, the man that was traveling that road and is attacked? And it's the Samaritan that stops That This is what's going on, all right? This is exactly what it comes from. So here we are. Let's nail it down. There are two ways in the book of Proverbs, the way of God and the way of Satan, the way of good, the way of evil. But it's all crafted and personified as people, that the way of wisdom is this amazing woman. She speaks truth. She's shrewd. She's prudent. She's wise. And it is the fool who tends to be the male, presented as the male and is violent and deceitful and full of greed. Now let's, there's one more angle here. Um, Personification can also, foolishness rather, is also personified as a female, but she's typically personified as a harlot or a prostitute. Chapter two says, again, my son, listen, listen, listen. Uh, If you listen to me, I'm going to rescue you from the strange woman, from the foreign woman who flatters with her words who leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they reach the paths of life. So foolishness is presented as a violent male or a seductive woman, all right? A a harlot, a prostitute. So this is what the book of Proverbs presents to us In chapter one to nine, you get all these themes in chapter one to nine. And once that's done, chapter 10 kicks in. It's all about those little individual proverbs and statements that uh, point us to stay on, discover the path of wisdom and stay on the path of wisdom. That's what happens. So by the way, um, when you look at Proverbs chapter one, and uh, the first few chapters, you hear this phrase constantly, my son, my son, my son. Look it up. Go to BibleGateway.com and type in my son and do your search and watch how many times that phrase is used in Proverbs. My son, my son. And if we put this thing together historically, here's what we get. You've got David... Uh, who is trying his best to influence Solomon. And now you have Solomon doing his best to influence his sons. And literally, it's arguable that Solomon is actually talking to one of his sons. And he's saying, my son, please listen to me. Don't forget what I say. Don't forget what your mom says. Listen, my son. So you get this historical angle that Solomon Is talking to one of his children, all right? Now pay attention to this. This is chapter two. Watch this. Back at it. Uh, Solomon, talking to his son, says, Son, if you listen to me, I'm going to save you a whole lot of heartache because I want to rescue you from a strange woman. And then look at the next phrase, from the foreign woman who flatters with her words. Does that remind you of anything, the foreign woman? Now, Dad's talking. Solomon's talking. Lee, what does it remind you? Oh, well, he had a lot of wives. That <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And historians argue, what was Solomon's downfall? He was born as many wives. Foreign women. Yeah. And why did he? Why did he have political marriages? For peace. For political reasons. Yeah. Trying to expand and build the economy, and try to secure the borders of Israel. All kinds of stuff. And yet, this is the very thing. So you've got a dad talking to his son and struggling with the very same thing that his son struggles with. Wow. Two paths. Two ways of doing life. One of them, you can have a relationship with wisdom, and it's like having a wise and righteous woman as your best friend, all right? Or, or the skilled craftsman who's got the answers, a wise, skilled male. Or you can go to the way of the fool, which is personified as a violent, evil, deceitful, gang-like driven pack of males that are out of control with greed. And they, they literally are fools. Or it's a, a, sedu- a sedu- seductress uh, a harlot. These are the two ways that Proverbs chapter one to nine present. All right, now that, watch this. This is Matthew chapter seven. Therefore, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell. And its collapse was great. So Jesus, in a simple parable, grabs Proverbs chapter 1 to 9 and reduces them down to the two ways. If you're wise, you listen to Jesus, and you act on his teachings. If you're a fool, you go the way of the fool. You ignore the teachings of Jesus. You listen but you don't act on them, okay? So two voices. Who is the voice in your head? Who's the voice in my head? Um, I wanna tell you a story about this guy right here. So, uh, it's, it's World War II. This kid is Brian, he's 17 years old, okay? His parents died when he was 12. He was an orphan. A foster family takes him in in New York, and at graduation, at the age of 17, one week later, he joined the army. Graduated in boot camp, and now he's at the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. He survives, all right? He went to officer school, Terry, you know, and they kicked him out, you know why? They said he was too immature. Too what? Immature. Oh. It's too young. Yeah. Too immature. Too immature. He's so young. By the way, anybody here know who the youngest Marine was? Trivia. Marine trivia. There's a kid. His mother died. And terrible life. At the age of 14, he falsified his birth certificate. Put 18. And joined the Marines at 14. Made it through boot camp and then he faced the jungles of Vietnam at that age. Can you imagine the courage it would take or the desperation in the heart of a 14, 15 year old. This kid is Francis Curry. He was awarded the Purple Heart three times, the Medal of Honor, the Bronze Star, the Silver Star. This is a kid, and at 17 and 18, became an amazing hero because he had something called courage. Fascinating. At that age, he is thinking at a level, uh, Brian, uh, it's what you do, uh, kind of stealth thinking in the worst like he's got ice water in his veins when it's complete chaos about him. And this kid, the story says he takes out three tanks by himself, three tanks, and saves a bunch of men that were pinned down for hours in a strategic battle. He's a kid! Courage. The ability to think under tremendous pressure. Hold that thought. Look at Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom call? And understanding raise her voice? On the top of the heights, beside the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates at the opening of the city. At the entrance of the doors, she cries out to you people, to you men, women. I call and my voice is to mankind. You naive ones, understand prudence. You fools, understand wisdom. Listen, for I speak noble things. And the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will proclaim truth. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. By the way, Jesus tells us that what comes out of the mouth reveals what's in a man's heart. My mouth will proclaim truth and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Does not wisdom call? So, Proverbs chapter 1 to 9. Two ways, two paths, both presented as humans. The way of the fool, a violent male, or a seductive female, the way of wisdom, a skilled craftsman, brilliant creative power uh, as a male, or a female committed to speaking truth, whose abomination will not be found on her lips. And she is like an evangelist calling out to everybody who's willing to listen, go this way down the path of wisdom. All right, you're ready. Right, I want to turn it over to you guys. If you understand the depth of, of the idea of wisdom and anti-wisdom foolishness, okay, and then you get that simple, that simple teaching about Jesus, Matthew seven twenty four, twenty seven, 27, and the two ways presented there. All right, now the question is back: What about you and I today? And, and how we have our hearts, our minds ready to listen to the voice of wisdom or some other voice, you know. What is the difference that it can make in the life of a believer if we set our hearts to listen to the voice of wisdom? By the way, by the way, quick comment about counseling, right? And about trauma in the human, in the human soul. Um, one of the things, one of the questions I ask to help get at where somebody is, you know, in their, their mental health, their spiritual health, is to ask them, who's the voice in your head and what does the voice say? And that idea is based on what is called a core psychological script. It's, it's, what, it's what you hear in your head when you look at the mirror in the morning, <laughs> You get out of bed and you look in the mirror and you're like whoa and you see yourself the first thing you say is like wow you're ugly and you're a poor excuse for a human being that's like that internal voice that little thing inside your head that's the core script that's the voice in your head that is very very powerful because with that core script behaviors follow with your core script Your behaviors follow. And if you look in the mirror and you go like, man, God, thank you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I've got awesome sauce just dripping off my elbows. And life is awesome. and It's going to be a great day. And I'm going to walk with you today, Jesus. If that's the core script, the deep, deep voice in your head, those kind of behaviors will follow that kind of core script. So who's the voice in your head? What is the voice saying? Wisdom. By the way, wisdom shouts at the street level. And Proverbs says, in chapter two, chapter eight, she shouts like from the rooftops. Like she's looking at, hey, everybody, please listen to me. The voice of wisdom. Or she's down in the market. Hey, go the way of wisdom. But she has a competing voice. And that is the voice of the seductive woman who's, Words are like honey, and she's saying, hey, come on, come on. Luring and being a temptress, you know. And then you've got the voice of the fool competing with the voice of the wise, skilled craftsman. One is a destroyer. One is a creator. A violent male destroys. A wise male is created. So, voices in our head. You got it. Proverbs chapter 8. Simply walking through that wisdom calls. That's, that's what she does. And understanding raises her voice. Give counsel. Uh, if you're, if you're uh, on Facebook, thank you for being a part of this. It means a lot. Um, by the way, Jennifer uh, Burgess, Nashville, Tennessee. The bombing did so much destruction there. And, and I know you lost internet. You and I have been talking. Uh, I'm glad you're safe. I'm really glad. Uh, other family, the Thomases in Nashville. Uh, and again, you know the story and what happened with the AT&T building there. So. Um, but grateful that um, these people are so kind and faithful at Christchurch. Um, if you've got a question, uh, if you're on Facebook, post a question. Michael will fill that question. All right, you're the church. You're the body of Christ. The way of wisdom. The way of the fool. The voice, the calling who you listen to? How do we encourage each other to stay the path? Counsel yourselves well. You're the church. How do we own this thing? Brian,
1: I, um, well, I've had this very thing happen recently. What we're talking about—that voice sat so in front of the mirror and said, "And pray," and just said, "Please put people on the path. And let my light shine. Uh, please have people share with me." That guy said, kind of "Well, it happened." immediately yeah, outgoing. Yeah. Text, and I was put in the put in uh, the path of some other people where I was able to share and give some words of encouragement to yeah. share His grace and uh, to share the grace He has shown me
2: with them. Okay. Um, why don't I do that every day? Why can't I muster that every day? <clears throat>
0: it, it's a it, it's a it's a mystery to me
1: because I, I feel so good when it happens I feel I feel blessed and, and I don't know Rewarded.
0: rewarding yeah. Yeah. Rewarded. Can, we, can we weigh in on that question he asked a simple question by the way you are all of us <laughs> why is it that one day we get it And we listen to the voice of wisdom and we walk the path of that amazing voice of wisdom. And then the next day, it's like we listen to the fool and we start walking the path of the fool. Why? Why this on again, off again? What do you
3: think? Michael. Uh, I don't know that I have an answer. I don't know anybody in this room will ever have an answer. Uh, But it's definitely something that we all experience. Why, yeah, why do one day we feel like we hear the voice of God and the next day we don't? And that right there is actually the biggest theological question that's always been in my brain since since I've gotten saved is why is this communication thing with God so difficult or weird or just different than when we talk back and forth with human beings? Hmm. And uh, yeah, sorry, I don't have an answer for you. But, well, <laughs> yeah. just, okay, uh,
0: leave it to a to guy. Hand. And what do you get, Brian? Come on. All <laughs> yeah. right, ladies. You're
3: not alone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> save the guys, ladies. Please save the guys. Joe, now you realize you're at risk. Right? Yes, right. yes. Well,
1: okay. you know,
4: think of the alternative, and I'm going to bolster this by think with some scripture in a second. If in fact you did connect daily and you had that non-stop spiritual high or whatever you want to call it, and you were rocking on all cylinders, how long would it take for pride to say that? And how long mm. would it take for you to decide that it was your connection with God, your spiritual strength, and all this stuff that was making this Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and we don't know what it is, but I am confident that I, I think it was a temptation of some kind. He had a sin he couldn't shake. That's what I think. Because God has to tell him, look, your weakness is what makes my strength shine. Mm. We have to be weak. We have to be fragile. We have to be flawed for God's power to shine through us. Otherwise, as Paul says elsewhere, if I'd come to you with big, bold words and fancy speech, you would have believed in me, not in Christ. I came with weakness. It's our weakness that is what is going to allow God's power to shine through us. Mm-hmm. If we're not weak, we'll puff our chest up. Mm-hmm. We're just, what credit can God take in this scenario? Right. Only a broken human makes that happen the way it's supposed
1: to
0: there's, isn't there something inside of us that we want to be our own savior, so we really feel good about ourselves? By the way, um, women, uh, hold up, Pat, Pat, up. Women, jump in on this one if you can. What do you think the number one point of anxiety is for a male? Like this is the this is the guy the thing that males fear.
3: My kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a different Loss sermon.
0: <laughs> What's that? Loss of, Loss of control. Anybody else? Males? Females? Typically? What's that? Not having reassurance. Not having reassurance. Anybody else? Powerlessness. Powerlessness, Pat? Weakness. Weakness. Failure. I
2: was going to say not being
0: strong. Yeah. And typically, all these things are distilled down to one idea. Men feel failure. F- fear that. They, they, because there's a shame thing inside a male. It does have a lot to do with testosterone, but it does have a lot to do with some deep spiritual things as well. Men fear failure, sure, they, they, they grab at control. They fear failure and, and the anxiety that goes with that, and so they have all kinds of ego defenses and ways that they avoid all of that. Right? It's a sensitive issue for males. Now, if, if a male is, doesn't experience failure, what will he default to? Pride, pride and self sufficiency. Mm-hmm. And that is just as dangerous. And pride is also the way of the fool. Absolutely. So you answered well. David?
3: Remember, that it's also in Proverbs. What is the, of all the sins, what is the one that God detests the most? Yeah. Pride. Yeah. Pride. pride. James, too. Yeah. And so, it, and, and who was the one that, who enforces pride? Yes. It
0: Absolutely.
3: And there therefore that's why he also tempted eve with the apple.
0: Yes, you deserve, you deserve pride. Right. Yeah.
3: So he was the reason why a lot of our sins are that's the biggest foremost one.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um Patch. I
3: was reminded.
1: for the most part. Sure, sure. There are obviously exceptions to the rule, but I'm that way. Yeah. Let's get to the heart of the problem. Let's figure out how to fix it. and Let's move on. And I was reminded of James when he talks about being quick to listen, slow to speak, mm-hmm. and slow to anger. And wisdom takes its time. It's not necessarily wrapped up in a Facebook post or a meme as the answer. That there's nuance to how we... Handle the things around us, whether it's our relationships with our spouses, that there's always more to it than just a simple quick fix. Mm-hmm. And I think wisdom is one of those things, as we see, it takes, it's very patient. That's I, I look at wisdom taking the personification of a woman as being very patient and working through things and being able to look at struggles and getting up every day, recognizing that our world is not full of solutions or problems that need to be solved, we practice, we work on our salvation, and it's a continuous movement towards, will ultimately be perfection, that the Bible calls a completeness Yeah. Who we are. Yeah. We recognize that the world we live in is not going to ever be perfect, it's not going to ever be complete, because the picture that God paints at the very beginning is that, oh, his presence... Being fully alive with him is completely, so that's perfection. Okay. So that, the desire to to wake up and to feel like, I screwed up yesterday, okay, today's a new day. Yeah. But the goal is not to not screw up, it's to listen and to say, what is today going to bring in God? Who am I going to listen to?
0: Yeah. yeah, That's so good, Pat. Someone else. Why does this matter? Janice?
2: Um I was reading ahead a little bit and in Proverbs 8.22 it says the Lord created me at the beginning of his way before his works of old from eternity I was established from the beginning of the earliest times of the earth when there were no ocean depths I was born when there were no springs springs abounding with water before the mountains were settled before the hills were born while he had not yet made the earth in the fields so you know, it was really important for God to have wisdom. I think God had mm-hmm. wisdom. And when it's talking about creating it, I think that's the only way God... I don't know. I don't know. God be God forever, you know? It's like there was no beginning. So that I just cannot wrap my head around. Yeah. The, and the other thing that kept popping through my mind while you were telling us this is... I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it
0: for you. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Janice, sometimes uh, I think maybe there are times when wisdom doesn't make sense. And once you do wisdom, once you walk down Mm. the path, you begin to have understanding. Yeah. And like that story about that kid, Francis Curry, the courage at 17 to do that. Um, I think, honestly, um, it takes courage to follow the path of wisdom today in our culture. Um, does anybody feel pressure, political correctness pressure? Anybody here, you know?
3: Yeah, it's here. I don't, I don't experience that pressure, but the thing that I was going to say is I think the first step to wisdom is to understand that 100 of our time, uh, our initial response or initial thoughts are going to be emotional, and we have to move past that and move into the rational.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anybody else yet, yeah, Joe? You know
4: the Paradox here is Solomon's able to, to teach these lessons so well because he had to live. Yes. If he took what David said about not chasing foreign women and all such things and just passed along to his son, I'm not telling you what son. He's smart enough. It probably wouldn't have had the the power behind it as it had when he had his life experience plus the lesson that he's trying to put forward. That, that's always been kind of the paradox of wisdom to me. Yeah, we learn and we try to teach others, and or others try to teach us. Don't go this way. I went this way It ain't gonna work out for you. <laughs> Yet we just you know, I'll end up doing the same thing, and I'll learn the lesson hopefully, and I you know get off that path. Yeah. But you yeah. try to teach somebody else. Are they going to listen? I don't know. And even if they do, is it as powerful as having lived through it and learned it?
0: Yeah. So, can anybody quote Romans chapter 8, verse 28?
2: I was just reading that yesterday. Uh, and, <laughs> I can't quote it. No, I,
0: you uh, can't cheat. You can't, <laughs> can't cheat. I can't quote it. You know this verse, Eight, Romans 8, 28.
2: All things work to the power, for a glory for, to them who love the Lord and are called to
0: you're almost there. That was amazing. <laughs> that was so good, though. All right, you, you and Yeah. God causes all things to work together for good. To so those that love him who are called according to his purpose. Yeah. Can God clean up our messes? Absolutely, Joe. Can God take our biggest mistakes and bring good out of them? Is Solomon not the epitome of that? Yeah. David, what David did? Is this not like the biggest mess? And look what came out of that.
4: Yeah. And look who we can-
0: the wisest man comes from the biggest mistake. The, the most foolish act produces the wisest man.
4: And who can we communicate best with? People who are going through something we've been through and come out from. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it just works that way because God set it up to work that
0: way. Yeah. Now, by the way, I don't want anyone to be confused. We're not endorsing sin. <laughs> like, what y'all need is a big sin event in your life, and you'll be all better. No, we're not saying that. I would, uh, can I, this is going to, this hurts. This isn't going to be ear candy. Maybe the answer is suffering. It's not sin, it's suffering. And that will, in fact, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1 says, that when we have learned to suffer in the flesh, we cease from sin. When you understand what the purpose of suffering is. And so, yes, Joe is on to this. It's in brokenness. When life kind of crushes us. Mm-hmm. That our hearts can become tender. And we can go, I've got to get back on the path of wisdom. Or I've got to stay on the path of wisdom. Yeah. Suffering hurts. It's not, it's not the ideal. So, someone else, yes, Terry.
5: Thinking back to when I was a a young man, the temptation called. Uh, After I graduated from high school, I got on my motorcycle and I took off. I was not concerned with wisdom at all. <laughs> I was interested certainly in learning and experiencing and finding out what was in the world, but I wasn't seeking wisdom, per se. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and older gentleman one time said, youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> And I think that was very much my case. Uh, I think that wisdom is gained as we get older, whether we want it or not. Yeah, yeah. And we need to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, As life experiences sometimes hammers at home. Yeah. Very distinctly.
0: Yeah, that's so good, Terry. Michael. Uh,
3: Sabrina Coleman online said, I've experienced God growing me the most during times of intense suffering. Yeah, and
0: thank I you, Sabrina. Yeah, we're there. Michelle?
6: Um, I was going to say, one of the big things that I've gotten from Proverbs is in the wisdom versus foolishness is how the key to wisdom is having humility. Yes. Because how often does it say, you know, say, here to listen. You know, the foolish person is someone who thinks they have all the answers. They go the way that they think is right. Mm-hmm. And humility, you know, you're seeing, okay, I don't have all the answers or I'm gonna have consider what else others are saying. Because foolishness isn't the absence of knowledge and understanding. That's that's what they think they, they call simple, right? Yes, think. yeah. Simple minded so that's, that's not what it is. Foolishness is knowing it and then choosing to go against that. And I've heard Stuck with me for the longest time, this person who was a parent, a counselor, a pastor, they said people are far more stubborn than they are stupid. Mm-hmm. And when you look at problems mm-hmm. through that lens, it, it really hits home to think, I need to have humility. And I know I struggle with that because I always think I'm right, of course. <laughs> um, and I have to remember to step back and to consider you know, where wisdom is coming from, even if it's from places that I wouldn't Expect or don't always understand, I have to at least listen and consider if I'm going to do well. Just like it says in other chapters of you know, the mm-hmm. people consider their own way, whereas the foolish person doesn't. They just
0: kinda go wherever and things happen to them and they don't understand why. Mm, that's so good, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, what is it, what is that little aphorism? Uh, a wise man learns from his mistakes. A wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. And the wisest man doesn't make a mistake at all. <laughs> you know, that's, that's where, where we're at. If, uh, by the way, um, you know, Lisa and I, of course, we've raised our girls and, and now we're helping to support them to raise their kids. And it is so true that you don't want your children to make the same mistakes you made. And so my mother... God bless her, would say things like, Chris or Chrissy, don't do as I do, do as I say. I didn't like that. Because mm-hmm. I wanted my mom to be perfect. If she was going to give me orders and demand wisdom out of me, then I wanted, I wanted to see wisdom out of her. And sometimes it's hard when you're an adult and you're a parent. And, and uh, y- you have... Let me speak very plainly with you. Uh, Galen, Tammy, I'm not sure if this has happened with your kids or not. But you know, when your kids are really little, I remember Rebecca and your cat, when they're really, really small, like Phoebe or little Isaiah or something like that, um, their view of you is very different than when they become your peer, when they, when they grow up. And you have, you have this very idealistic stage where the little children look at their mommy and their daddy. And it's like, they're, they're amazing. Mommy and daddy both have a little, a little thing. It's magic. And they pull out this little thing, and, and they get food. And it makes food, and it makes dessert, and toys come from this thing that mommy and daddy have. And they get to have one. And they have something really important called a wallet, or a purse or something. Little kids are just in awe of mommy and daddy and how mommy cooks things and sews or fixes and kisses boo-boos. And daddy knows how to start the lawnmower. Wow, daddy has superpowers. And it's amazing. And sometimes daddy speaks French when the lawnmower doesn't start. And we don't understand why daddy speaks French sometimes. But he does, and he's mighty, and he sweats. And wow, dad, big daddy. And then that little kid grows up, about the same size as dad, and becomes a peer adult. And sometimes it wants to speak French too. And all of a sudden, mirror, mirror on the wall, I am my parents after all. And I realized my own humanity, that just like mom and dad had to choose the path of the wise or the path of the fool, I have got to choose the path of the wise or I can choose the path of the fool. Just like my mom, just like my dad, just like everybody else, I get to make choices and I get to choose the path that I'm going to walk on. There is, I know you know this, come on, let's take it to the logical end. The one person that walked on the path of wisdom and didn't get off track Is Jesus Christ. And this guy is so wise. That he could go toe to toe with the Pharisees. The smartest guys. In town. And he could prove them. As being foolish. In their understanding of scripture. Jesus could do that with a coin. And humiliate all the smartest guys. Okay. He then could turn around and pick up a baby. And say you know what. Heaven is based on this thing right here. This is is how you get in. This little guy right here. Or he can set someone free from a horrible disease on the Sabbath and make a wise statement. Say, you know what? Hey, you Pharisees, don't you untie your donkey and lead him to water on the Sabbath? I've untied this man from the bondage of a, a paralytic condition. What's wrong with that? Wisdom. No matter who he was, who approached him, he acted out of wisdom. A child, a woman suffering from horrific disease, an upset parent about a child that just died. The 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 deception, the gang-like spiritual violence being produced by Pharisees. He could go. He could go head to head with them, and shame them in front of everybody. The epitome of wisdom. And then, and then he summarizes it by these words right here. If you listen to me and act on what I say, it creates this stone-like foundation in your life. If you listen to me and ignore what I say, uh, suffering is going ha- to. Can I? This is so obvious. Look at the guy who listened and and acted on the words. Um... Rain fell, floods came, winds blew, slammed against the house. The guy that doesn't listen, uh, rain fell, floods came, winds blew, slammed against the house. You know what? The, the follower of Jesus has got it just as hard as everybody else. The fool's got it just as hard as the guy who's wise. It all gets down to the issue of the foundation. The relationship with Jesus Christ. Makes sense?
5: Patch.
1: One of the common things I've seen through the life of Jesus and through the Proverbs is that there's an anchor, something that doesn't move. One of the truths that we have is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, yeah. today, and forever. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's some real comfort in that because even Paul would say, "Look at me." And yeah, that an anchor for that. And his in his humanity, sure, he's probably gonna mess up. We get the highlights from his letters, but I'm sure that there were times like the horn in his flesh that yeah. speak to his failures, speak to his insecurities. And it's important for us to be able to look at Jesus as that anchor from myself to recognize that he doesn't change. Mm. And despite the climate that I live in, mm. he's not going to change. Yeah. And if yeah. there's one figure in the entire history of the world that I need to listen to, it's the one that doesn't change. Yeah. It isn't affected by Pharisees, whose end game is not to manipulate or to get them, but to speak wisdom, to correct. Yeah. That should be my attitude. Yeah. And if I can't rely on the one person who doesn't change, it's going to be a, a pretty pretty big battle to try to rely on those that do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is so good, Patch. So Terry. Um Luke 15, Jesus tells a story. In Luke 15, Jesus tells a story. We don't know how old this younger son is, but he says, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance. And he got on his motorcycle, and he drove to Las Vegas, we think. Whatever that would, where that would be, you know, in Palestine. And we don't know what he did, but evidently, it wasn't good that he gave himself to to party and all the all that went on there. I'm sure somebody was smoking cigarettes back then, I'm sure. It was bad. And whatever it was, it was so bad, he loses everything. He loses his party friends. And then he ends up feeding pigs. And he's so hungry, he was even wondering what it would be like to eat what the pigs were eating. And then... It says in, in the Greek New Testament that his brain turned on. He came to his senses, the front lobes kicked in, and he says, I need to go home. And when he's planning to go home, what does he, he plan to tell dad? I'll be a servant.
5: Yeah. Treat me like one of your slaves.
0: How's that for humility, Michelle? Yeah. And he comes and he has a script prepared. Father, I have sinned against you and I have sinned against heaven. Would you please take me back and please let me just stay with the slaves and eat bread? Please, I've sinned against you and I'm asking forgiveness. And of course, you know, the party that was thrown. Talk about partying. The right kind of party, not the bad kind of party. I, I remind us, I remind me, I remind you of that. That if we have gone down the path of the fool, it's okay to go home. It's okay. We can come home and not let shame be such a part of the core script that we think we have to avoid God because we're so bad. And maybe that's one of Satan's most shrewd strategies to create the core, the core script, that we are so bad that we're, we are beyond the love of God. We are so shameful, we're beyond forgiveness. We're so bad, so unwanted, That there's no place for us at the table of grace. That may be one of the biggest lies of Satan. The fool can change his mind, repent, go on the path of wisdom, and run home to Jesus. Yes, Carrie.
6: Not only can we go home, but just like the father in that story, he runs out to him. Yeah, yeah, he meets us. so excited
2: to see
0: that. That's so good, Janice. It
2: reminds me of a poem I learned. Several years ago. Yeah. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and never a word said she, but, oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me.
0: Wow. Wow, that's good. That's good. certainly.
2: So something I was thinking about,
1: you hear a lot of something speaking, and then us listening. Yeah something
3: you said a long time ago I think about a lot is, you know, Satan doesn't have to just strike you down and kill you. He just has to distract you. Yeah. And yeah. it makes me
1: think of along the lines of we have to be able to get in the Word and be with the Spirit to even know what right and wrong is, but there's a lot of voices and a lot of mm-hmm. things that for our attention and wisdom speaks, but a lot of other things speak too. And what are we yeah. going to listen to? Yes. Now, where Where is our focus? And we need the Spirit to help us to even know where to focus. But like Michelle said, a lot of us are more stubborn than what we are ignorant, and we have to make that choice of what we're going to listen.
0: To. <clears throat> yeah, that is. We so can
3: good. hear different voices, and we have that choice.
1: Yeah,
0: that's so good. A lot of voices, right, man? Lots of people talking. Absolutely. So Lee, thank you so much. Um, all right. um uh, so here's a rhetorical question meant to be spiritually very pointed for us all. Are you the one listening to the words of Jesus and acting on them We have wisdom? Or are you listening to the words of Jesus you know you give him the nod but then you have no intent of acting on them. You know, where are you in that? Are you walking the path of the fool or walking the path of the wise? So all right, I want to pray for you and ask God's favor over this time. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I, I'm grateful for the kindness that you show us. Um, thank you that Jesus has ultimately showed us the way of wisdom, the wisdom from above. And, and you want us to be on the path of life. Um, pray that everybody here, all of us, that I can tell your voice from the voice of others. You promise us that you are the shepherd and we are the sheep and that your sheep hear your voice and they know you and they follow you. Let this be true of me. Let it be true of all of us here. Father, thank you for grace and the way home. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.